0: Welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. All right, well, good morning, Vineyard family. How we doing out here? Yeah? That was semi-hearty. It was decent. All right, but... Uh, Good morning, I'm excited to be with you. My name's Daniel McKee, and I am the pastor for young adults, and men, and next-gen, and so I get to work with all kinds of people here. It's a lot of fun. And one thing that I want to just remind you of is the marriage conference that's coming up. So this marriage conference is going to be so fun. It's called Fun Loving You, and we believe that the best way to protect your marriage is to enjoy your marriage. And so not only do we want you to be here and have a blast with us, but I want to challenge you to start thinking now, what marriage, what couple do you know that could benefit from this? Because I know the last few years have been kind of a challenge for a lot of couples. And so right now, ask, who, God, would you have me to invite to this experience? Because I believe it's going to transform us as we invest in marriages together, so super excited about that. And I'm pumped about this Rooted series that we've been in, that we're continuing in a different way. And when I think about being rooted, I couldn't help but go back in my mind to a time I tried to just take out a small tree. Like literally, it's probably this thick. Has anybody ever tried to uproot something really deeply rooted? Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. So I grabbed my pickaxe and I went outside. and I was like, I'm gonna bust this thing out in a few minutes, right? And so I start swinging, boom. Boom, I'm, I'm like 20, 30 swings in, and I'm like, dang it, I am tired. And I look down, I'm like halfway through all these roots, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be a process. All right, so I have to expose some more roots and keep going to town, and then I'm exposing some more roots and hitting and hitting, and finally, it's getting a little looser, but it's still firm, and I recognize, oh, there's still more roots, and so I have to keep keep hitting and keep hitting, and I finally get in this tight space. I notice this is the final root. So I'm in this tight space against my house, and I hit, hit, I'm using a pickaxe, okay, real quick. Does anybody know what a pickaxe looks like? All right, so it has a a pick on one side, or a really pointy side, and then the other side, some people call them mattocks, but it has this kind of sharper blade side that you can pry with as well. So anyway, so I hit in, boom, boom, and then I go to hit the last one. Does anybody see any problem with the motion? All right, that pointy side, literally, bam, right in my forehead. And, of course, I start bleeding. I'm like, dang it. And so, root one, Daniel zero, is what it felt like. And so, in this battle with the tree, I finally got it. But, of course, I have to tell the story from that point on. Like, what happened to your forehead? I'm like, well, I hit myself in the head with a pickaxe. You know, it's like, what else can you say? It's not the story we want to tell, but it made me remember this reality of like, I want my life so rooted in Christ that I can't do life without him. And so rooted that if you took Jesus from me, I would die because that's all I have as my source of life. And my prayer for each of us in this series is that we as a church would be rooted in the reality of Christ to stand firm no matter what life throws at us and that we would experience his secure and firm foundation, amen? All right, so that's what we're pumped about, that's what we're going after and so for the first three weeks, we talked about rooted principles like these three concepts of faith, hope and love and so we read 1 Corinthians 13 every week, we listened to it, it was recited over us, we're like, all right God, Produce that in me. And so now we're gonna move to this second part. Anytime we talk about faith formation, it really comes down to these two words. So these are big words. You're gonna walk away sounding smarter today. So here we go. Orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Okay, so orthodoxy is right belief, believing the right truths. Um, orthopraxy is right practices. And you see, these two things are married together. They always go together. You can't say, I believe something and not do it, or else you actually don't believe it. And you can't begin to do things with the right way unless you believe the right truth about it. And so these two things go together. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. You need to have faith and works. These things, actions, and truth go together. Now, here's one of the things I've learned about people. Everybody thinks they have right belief. We all think we know, right? I mean, I know what's right. You might not. If you disagree with me, you're probably wrong. I'm probably right. That's the way that we kind of live, right? And there's a great theologian that said, I am pretty confident that 75% of my theology is right. I'm just not sure what 25% isn't. And so there's a little bit of humble orthodoxy to where we say, I want to hold tight and be rooted in the core truths of Christianity. But I want to have enough humility to say other people may believe slightly different on certain aspects and we can still walk together in faith. Now at the same time, this right truth must be married to right practice, most of us, when we mess up we, or have a bad practice, we think it was just an accident that kind of happened, but the truth is, it's rooted in a belief, and so these things go together, and there was these notorious people in Scripture called the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees, they had a lot of right beliefs and a lot of right practices, but they had the wrong what? They had the wrong heart. And we need right belief, right practice with the right heart that will truly ground us and root us in who Christ is. And so we need to say, God, would you help me believe the truth and reject lies, and would you root me in healthy, life-giving practices so that I actually know who you are and what you have for me? Now, what's necessary for growth? This series is all about growth. We want to grow. We need sunlight, water, anytime you think about things that need to grow, and then it needs the right soil. So again, kind of like right belief, right practice, right soil. And so Jesus had a parable one time when he talked about the soil of people's hearts. And so here's how I ask you today. How's your heart? Because he said there's four different types. He said there's some that are calloused and hard because of the hardships of life sometimes they harden us to the truth and no seeds actually get in or there's this shallow heart it's like rocky soil it's like we just skip across all of life and don't really want to dig any roots we just like to get through and look for the next experience or there's this thorny soil or this weeds that are growing up alongside where we're just distracted and our hearts are kind of all over the place for where we're seeking life, and many things are fighting against who we really want to be. But then there's good soil, and it says that good soil actually had space, space to produce a harvest 150, 30 times what was sown. So good soil actually requires space in our hearts and our minds. How's your heart? Are you in the rocky soil, in the calloused, I don't want to hear this stuff soil? Or are you just distracted? Or are you ready to grow? I and mean, that's the question I can't answer for you, but I do know that we have to submit to a process for growth. It's not just believe it and achieve it, or today you're going to pray a prayer and you're going to magically be totally on point and every area of your life's going to be dead on. There's a process to growth. And so the funny thing about growth is it's always imperceptible, meaning you never see things grow. What you may not know is my hair is currently growing. (laughs) Now, maybe not here, but right here and here, whatever, anyway, and in weird other spots. But anyway, so uh, The things, you never see them grow, but I know in a couple days I'm going to have to shave it, so it's currently growing. You walked by some trees and some grass today, and I bet none of you saw it grow. But guess what? It's growing. It's happening. And in all of our lives, things are growing in us, and it's actually revealing the roots of our lives. What we're rooted into is what grows in us. And my son actually just passed me in height. He's over here. And I I told him the other day, I was like, congratulations. You're almost average height now. You got this. And so we are, you don't see your kids grow, but they're growing. And so we need to ask the question, what are we rooted in? Because we will grow the fruit of our roots. And so some of the things that I've learned about us, you just look at time. We're rooted in work and sleep. That's kind of two of the first things that we're rooted in, or school and sleep. And then here was the fascinating thing as I did research, we're rooted in screens. Do you know that daily, the average American spends seven hours and four minutes in optional screen time? This isn't computer screen time, like because you're getting your work done or your schoolwork done. The average American is spending seven hours and four minutes on TV, social media, all the shopping and other things that we do, Everything that we do is currently rooted in screens so often. We don't recognize it, but we're spending seven hours and four minutes every day, which really quick, look at what this does in a lifetime. In a lifetime, we're going to spend 11 years and four months in optional screen time. So the question is, what's filling your screens? Now, it's not all bad. The truth is we do a lot of good things on screens. Like we encourage people. We're finding things that we need. We're researching. We're learning. But there's also some terrible stuff that's happening on screens. And I want to ask you to do some inventory of your heart and say, what am I captivated by? What am I rooted in? Because there's actually a danger that's happening even in the passively good things that we're doing. Do you know the average person is seeing between four and 10,000 ads a day? And so in that process, what are we hearing? We're hearing, you're not enough, but if you had this thing, you would be better. If you looked this way, then you would be more lovable. If you had this influence, then your life might matter. And it's the subtle Lie that is rooting into all of our hearts that we feel like my life doesn't really count. And so it's so important that we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ because all of this is producing insecurity and dissatisfaction in our hearts. You see, I'm in the same battle. I struggle with the screen battle. I feel drawn in by I could check one more thing or I need to know this thing. And you you know how you get in the hole, all of a sudden like an hour passed, you meant to do something for a minute and then you're like, what? (laughs) Where'd that go? So some practices, again, right belief. I don't want my life to be consumed with screens. So a practice is I charge my phone away from my bed. I don't want it to be my first thing or my last thing. I just like, hey, that needs to be away from me. I need to save me from me. And then I also recognize I need to set my phone down when I get home or else I'm not gonna be present with my kids and my wife. So I need to set it aside. Or I recognize that I need time limits and I need to begin to restrain myself in some way or it might take over all of my life. Right belief, right practice is the only way for growth and we have to marry the two. You see, we're also all rooted in the lies of our past failures and our struggles. We're rooted in comparison to others. And your childhood-rooted patterns in your life, you're still living them today because they're normal to you. And so we have deep roots. The easiest way to figure out what you're rooted in is to figure out, what do I talk about? And what do I Google search about? What have I spent thousands of hours doing? So I did some inventory of my life, and I was like, all right, what am I rooted in? I'm rooted in soccer. I'm rooted in Frisbee. I'm rooted in Kentucky basketball. I'm rooted in home renovations. And I'm rooted in Jesus. Those are all things that I've spent thousands of hours doing. And again, not all good or bad, but the reality is I want deeper roots in Christ because we're all drawing from something to find life. You are, I am, all of us. Is what you're looking for lasting? Will it stand when the storms come? Will it stand the test of time? How can we be rooted in Christ? How can we practically develop deeper growth into him? Great questions. I'm glad you asked. That's what we're going after today. So we don't want to stop simply at agreement. One of the problems with the American church specifically is we like to stop at agreeing that, yeah, I believe there's a God, or yeah, I agree that's a good thing, but we stop at agreement and we don't implement and activate the movement of God in our lives. And so I encourage people to always give specific aspects of their life, not just their whole lives. We'll talk about that a little bit more later but we're asking God throughout this series and this challenge to guide us in a process of growth, a growth in dependence on him through prayer. We're gonna to try to deepen our experience of faith, hope, and love. So we're gonna deepen faith through prayer. We're gonna deepen our hope through worship, and then we're gonna deepen our love through giving with generosity and intentionality. And so I'm really excited what God's gonna do, because here's what we're asking as a staff, God, to do in this series that our people would know God's voice better, that they would be deepened in faith, hope, and love, and they would have the character of Christ for a world that needs to see it. So my question, are you ready for the rooted challenge? Like five people might be. Are we ready to take a step forward in right belief, right practice? Are you ready for the rooted challenge? Okay, let's go. All right, so. We start by looking at the prayers of the New Testament. One of the things that I've come to realize is that I, my prayers actually reveal my theology more than anything. And as I look at the prayers of the New Testament, I'm pretty challenged, because my prayers are often more about me and my small life than they really are about the great kingdom of God and his advancement and his movement. And so I'm saying, God, would you make my heart in alignment with the same mindset of Paul. And so we're gonna look at Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. If you have your Bibles, open them. If you have your app, open that. We're just gonna walk through Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 and a little bit of context on this. Paul writes this from prison, and he's writing to a city that was like in the center of so many other major cities, and roads connected Ephesus to all these other places. And so it was this multi-ethnic center of faith, where all these people are coming together to try to figure out what does the expression of faith look like from all these tribes and tongues and nations. And so they were trying to be a one multi-ethnic family of God. So how do we do that? One of the things I love about Vineyard Cincinnati is we are a multi-ethnic family committed to following Jesus. It's beautiful. And so what Amen, that's good stuff. How do we find multi-ethnic oneness? I believe this is only one way. It's that the people of God are rooted and established in the word of God, led by the spirit of God to live for the glory of God for generations to come. That's it. That's the only way we get there. And we have to keep breaking down the boundaries by stepping in with the love of the Father. And so we are going to read this prayer in its entirety And then I'm going to come back and unpack all the pieces. And throughout this whole Rooted Series, I hope you're unpacking the prayers of the New Testament. So if you will, we're going to stand, and you're going to receive this prayer over you. When I'm in a posture of receiving, often I hold my palms up to receive. And Paul starts this prayer by kneeling um, and praying over people. So I'm going to kneel and pray this over you. So will you receive this prayer now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Blessings. All right, you can seated. Wow. Before we unpack these phrases, I don't know about you, but I am, I'm convicted, that Paul's prayers don't sound exactly like my prayers. And I want to dive in, and I want to have that same heart and passion. And so let's look back at the beginning, and it says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And so for this reason, it's all about oneness, unity, so that God can do this work, because Paul recognizes I can't manage and manipulate this thing. It's only a movement of God. And so then he kneels. Why does he kneel? Because it's really hard to kneel and be really prideful at the same time. Because when I kneel, my physical posture directs my spiritual posture as well. And I begin to say, God, only you can. I can't. I need you, Father, to move in a way that I can never make happen And so I heard about this practice a few years ago, and this has totally transformed the way I view life, is again, I wanted to grow in humility, and so I was challenged to start kneeling. And so something I do every, well, I try to do every day, I'm actually not perfect, I mess up quite a bit. But there's many days that before I hit my feet, I hit my knees, and I just say, God, I need you. I give this day to you before it begins, because otherwise I'll take it up in my own power, So God, I'm asking for your power and your truth to guide me. And so that practice and belief marry together and form something in my heart. So for this reason, I kneel before the Father, for every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Every family comes from the Father. You don't recognize, but your life is from God, and it's for his glory. That's why you exist. And every family reminds us that we have last names that are bigger than our first names. And we have lineage and generations that are impacted by our faithfulness today. And so every one of us have a story that's bigger than just our lives that we are caught up in and called to experience. And so this is what he prays. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, what does God own? Everything. He has glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power. How much power does God have? All power. Through his spirit in your inner being, he doesn't just live out there. If you have said yes to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is in you. And you carry him with you wherever you go. And so the riches and the power of God want to be displayed through your life. That's why your life matters so much. And what is all this power about? It's so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, Jesus begins to take residence inside of you. And he begins to get access to more and more of the rooms. He starts to put up some artwork around, right? Where we just say, yes, you have this aspect of my life. Okay, I'm giving you more of my life. And we begin to trust him and allow him to dwell in us through faith. We place our trust in him. Then he continues the prayer and he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. I love what we talked about this last week where love, you can replace Christ because in Christ, God is love and in Christ we have what love really is. But if we are rooted and established, this reminds us that our habits form us more than our good intentions. And many of us say, yes, I'm all in. But we're really not in our practice. And so we need to say, God, would you develop my roots into you. I want to actually practice the way and experience and believe your truth so that I am walking and living as you called me to live. And as we're rooted and established in love, this is what happens. We may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, this prayer is powerful because many people have tried to say, if I had to sum up Christianity in the smallest form possible, what would it be? And they kind of came to two words. It was this, live loved. Live as if you've already been loved at its fullness, if we could embrace how high and deep, how incredibly high the love of the Father is and how deep into the depth of who I am that I'm already loved, not because of what I do, but because I'm his, it would transform everything about our lives. Because I would no longer be seeking it in your approval. I would no longer be seeking it in how much money I had. I would know that I already possess the fullness of the love of God. And then... We get to know how wide this love goes. We get to begin to be filled with all of his love so that we could give it away. And this love transforms everything. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This made me laugh when I first read it. I was like, hold on. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? I don't really get that. But then it hit me. It's like, oh yeah, there's this deeper knowing. There's this soul level knowing. There's this experiencing. I don't just agree with it, but I I know the love of the Father, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. As you embrace the love of God, it will transform you at your core. If we live loved, and embrace our roles as beloved sons and daughters of God, it changes everything. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, do you see what he's capable of? Why? His, according to his power that is at work within us To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout generations forever and ever, amen. You see, we see more of God when we look together. And when we as the church come together, we get to express the love of God and we get to see him moving in our midst and we get to experience more of what he has for us. But we don't want to just agree with the truth. We wanna bear its fruit We want to be the people that are showing how good God is through our lives. Not just saying God's good, but expressing it through the way that we live. And we have to get specific. Many of us like to just sing the bold songs again of, God, I want to give you everything, but not my relationships. Like, God, you really don't get dating, so I'll take care of that one. (laughs) God, I want to give you my whole life, but not my media, I like to watch what I want to watch and listen to what I want to listen to. Like, you, you don't want that part of my life too, do you? And he's like, well, do you want to be filled to the fullness of the measure of God? Then I gotta, have every, I gotta have everything. And so I encourage you to say, God, what do you want to grow me in in this season, in this challenge as we step forward? So I'm challenging you to join us to grow rooted And so we're going to spend the next 60 days, you can scan this code and you can join in with this website, but this is our rooted challenge. This is going to connect you for the next 60 days. We are going to be praying the prayers of the New Testament. We're going to have prompts each day that say, hey, connect with the Father. And then we're also going to have some worship opportunities. And so within this time, you're going to be prompted again to Put your focus on the Father and declare his worthiness with your life. And then we're also going to be doing 60 days of giving and generosity that's going to unlock our hearts and free us from our me monsters that are all in there. And this is all like a trellis telling our lives where to grow and how to live. And so I believe this challenge is going to be so huge. So what's he saying to you? How does God want to grow you in these next 60 days? I asked God personally what he wanted for me, and I remember just those first two phrases. It says, love is patient, love is kind. I don't know about you, but I look at those two, and I'm like, I'm not great at either of those. And so I put a rubber band on my wrist, and so every time I'm impatient or unkind, I'm snapping it. As a reminder that I need to pray and I need to place my dependence on the Holy Spirit to do what I can't do for myself. And saying, God, would you produce this growth in me? I want my roots to dive deep into you. You see, these steps of faith will grow in you. As you trust God with one area, you will find yourself trusting him with more. You might start by saying, God, I'm gonna give a little bit. Finances might be tight, but I'm gonna give some. Because I want to be generous. And then you're gonna be like, oh, this is fun. I wanna bless people like crazy because he's gonna do something in your heart. Or maybe you begin to say, I wanna pray for others to express the love that you have for me, God. And then you're like, I might pray out loud. I might even share Jesus. Maybe fearfully at first, but the more you do it, the more you, you share him boldly. And so I don't know for you, but I'm just reminded of David. David, why did he fight Goliath? Because he said, I've already fought the lion, and I fought the bear, and God came through then, and he's going to come through now. And those roots were being formed in each of those times guarding the sheep. So don't underestimate how important it is right now to submit to the process of growth that God has for your life. You see, Jesus invited us into a practice And if you don't have this with you, please feel freedom to grab it. There'll be some people passing these out right now. And this is a reminder of right truth, right belief, and right practice. Jesus began this sacrament or this practice about 2,000 years ago when he was about to do the most incredible act of all creation He said, I don't want my people to forget this. And actually, the stage was already set for this moment. And Jesus began this practice where he said, my people will be called to remember my sacrifice every time they gather as they do this thing. This was the main practice he gave us. And so he took bread on the night that he was betrayed and he broke it. And when he broke it, it would would be a reminder for all generations to come. He would say, my body is broken for you. That you don't have to bear the weight of your sin. I went to the cross in your place for your sin willingly because I love you. And he was broken on our behalf. And so that we wouldn't forget that and so that we would receive that, he broke bread and he said, every time you do this and you take of this bread, eat of it in remembrance of me. And then Jesus held up a cup and he took these very normal things and he injected incredible meaning. And he took the cup and he said, this cup is a covenant with my blood. And he's saying that his blood would be a perfect sacrifice that would be sufficient for all people in all places at all times. That no more sacrifices would be needed because his perfect blood would perfectly cover all of our sin. You see, Jesus didn't die to make you feel bad. Jesus died to set you And that blood is still sufficient and his grace is still amazing and it still covers everything so you can never be too bad to come to a savior who gave everything so that he could cover your sin and he held up the cup he said this cup is a covenant of my blood when you drink of it do this in remembrance of me Ah. Jesus thank you Thank you for your love for us that goes beyond our knowledge. We can't even describe it with words, but we thank you and we embrace you because you are more. You are more than the lies of our past. You are more than our failures and struggles. You have room in our hearts now. God, would you till up the soils of our heart? And when you make us ready to receive the truth that you wanna plant in us, And would you root out every lie and replace it with your spirit and your power and your love? Oh, we need you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place for my sins. I give you room to grow me and make me who you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship as we close this morning.
1: every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every every day. This is my surrender. Is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every This is my surrender.
0: better. Your way is better than the way that I go after. We want to make room for you, Father, because we know the harvest can only multiply if there's room. So Lord, we just give you access to every part of our heart. But let's start with specific ones. We need you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I am so grateful that we get to go on this rooted challenge together. I pray that we would be oaks of righteousness as the people of God are rooted and established in the word of God, led by the spirit of God to live for the glory of God for generations to come. That is the cry of our hearts. And if you wanna experience growth in this season, may you marry together right belief, right practice. And may you also surrender to the work that God wants to do in your life. So we have some people that are gonna be available for prayer in the balcony and in the front. And we have some ministry words up here too. These might speak directly to what you're asking God to grow in your life. And I encourage you to come get prayer, to come ask God to do a work that only he can do. I believe he has so much for us as we walk together in this journey ahead. I'm so glad you were here today. And Father, may you bless your people with more of your spirit that they might experience your direction and have courage to walk in it. In Jesus name. Amen. Blessings. Have an incredible week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.